Welcome to the weekly show about art, politics, and pop culture from a phenomenally female perspective. I'm Eliane. I'm Shante. I'm Sarah. I'm Lauren Ashley. I'm Katie. And this is Unapologetically She. Welcome to another episode of Unapologetically She. This is Sarah. This week, Lauren Ashley will be bringing us our drink of the week. Shantae is moderating this week's Shot and Chaser. Lauren Ashley will be leading our interview of Jean-Rémy Monet, the artistic director and founder of the Black Theater Troupe of Upstate New York. And Katie will reveal this week's Bitch Ass and Badass of the Week. So let's get started with Lauren Ashley. So the drink of the week is Text in My Ex, which... So as our listeners should know, this was my first, this is my first time having a drink of the week during the drink of the week. And it's also my first time to pick one because I gave up alcohol outside of a very specific context for Lent. So um, I wanted to do something special. I actually ordered T-Pain's drink book. I saw it on TikTok and I was like, this is it. This is it. And that's where I got the recipe. So it's gin, vodka, rum, curacao, fresh lemon juice, raspberry syrup, and vanilla Coke. And um, so we were actually out of raspberry syrup at Wegmans. And I was like, do I go looking for it or do I do something Buffalo? And like, there was Loganberry syrup right there. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Loganberry, but like Mm -hmm. it's very region specific and oh my God. So yeah, um, I'd love to know how the drink came out for y'all with the raspberry syrup because with the Loganberry, like this is, first of all, I got fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I did I did the drink of the week video on my what would have been my dad's 63rd birthday I was feeling like when it hit when I actually looked at my calendar and it hit me I was like oh shit and I didn't I didn't want to record the video honestly and then I thought about it and I'm like my dad is looking at me saying you know what you know damn well that this is what I would want for my birthday he loved <laughs> I love that he loved yeah. cocktails he loved drinking he loved making fun of me for um how fast <laughs> I get drunk. And he, I'm sure he was watching me and just cracking up, like, really, one drink? Are you my child? But yeah, I was your dad. Cheers to my dad. Happy sure. birthday, Daddy. Yes, yeah. cheers to Lauren Ashley's dad. Um, but yeah, how did y'all like it? Because I got fucked up and I was very happy about it. I love it, but I think I goofed. I think <laughs> I, I used blue curacao by mistake and my drink came out green. <laughs> What? No, look, your drink is, well, I, wait, you said it's green? Oh, it yeah, so okay, green. I see, I see. Oh, yeah. The tent, it looked like it was red, but I see that's green. I could find raspberry syrup and went with strawberry, and it's actually really quite good. I And I used good. cherry because that's all I had. <laughs> so I was not making it. Shantae, you look like you're ready to say something. <laughs> I didn't use any syrup. I thought I didn't have no vanilla Coke because I actually went out last night, and so... I was like, damn. But then I had Coke in my refrigerator and I was like, I didn't use any stuff, but I use a fresh squeezed lemon. Mm. I, I did the same like, thing. I did the same thing. I could not open my lemon juice bottle. I was like, you know what? I got, damn it, I got lemon. But my nails look all right with that, but y'all nails look nice with holding the drink. Let me see y'all nails. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Listeners, I've got like daisies painted on mine. On That's two of them. 
Ellie, yeah. I like that jewel on your nail. No, I love that. I like it too. I've got a sparkly nail and I, I always, I'm such an asshole because like, I put it in my middle finger. So if anybody wants to be like, oh, let me see that. I just like, be like, look, <laughs> ma'am, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, this drink is fabulous. I, this, um, there is no fucking way I will text my ex because not well, happening. I had, don't have a memory anymore. Thank God <laughs> for that. <laughs> life. But it, yeah, I could see how one could because it's strong. And Easily. It's so strong. It is strong. <laughs> I just don't want to go up to my parents' house. No, I can hold my liquor. I can. <laughs> what are you going to do? How was everyone's week off? I mean, off from the show because I know everybody was still working. But. Good. We were had our conference for work this week, our showcase for uh, Kentucky teachers literacy projects that they did for the last year. And it's very rewarding to be able to watch it because we were very frustrated with everything with the platform. So it was really nice just to be able to finally watch everything. And you all teachers, I have so much love and respect for you. And after seeing these projects that these teachers like passionately did and the progress that their students alone made. Cause I mean, they've had, this was the first year they were back in school in the classroom with everybody and the progress I've just made in the nine months that they've been back with them and reading alone is it's incredible to watch. So it was very heartwarming to be able to spend that way yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, that was my week. <laughs> Nice. I, I, I'm one of those teachers that was on break. <laughs> Me and Dina were on spring break at the same time, right? <laughs> yep. yep, you were. So I traveled uh, to Toronto, spent a few days there with my partner, Myron, and his two uncles. And that was fun. Uh, we just kind of hung out around Toronto, went to museums, went to the aquarium, ate a lot of really rich, good food. Um, and then we went back to California for a few days and did absolutely nothing. Perfect. <laughs> nothing is good. Nothing is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Just binge watching TV on the couch. I caught up with a lot of stuff. I'm going to have lots of juicy, like trashy reality shows. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's so, so I also ended up going to Toronto. My passport, I'd renewed it. It finally came in the mail and I texted my friend. And was like, my passport came. And my friend was like, we're going to Toronto. And I was like, okay. And, um, <laughs> like, as a listeners, like, I live in Buffalo. I'm a Buffalonian. This is literally the border. So it takes literally five minutes from City Hall to cross, um, to cross the border into Canada. Wow. So... We took an impromptu trip and I also went to the aquarium and that was so funny. I, when I, um, in our Slack, when I sent out the message and was like, you guys, I'm in Toronto and Elian was like, where are you going? I was like, the aquarium. And she's like, I went too. It was great. <laughs> I love the aquarium. You got to like walk under the, where the sharks are swimming. That was the best part. Those things are huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they had like, they had, and they also have like, you know, the giant sea turtles. Oh. And so we were in there. My friend was like, to "Watch Finding Nemo when we get home." I know. <laughs> I like I was in that like this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sea turtle tattoo because it's from that move, not from the movie, but you've got a turtle tattoo. Yeah, I have a sea turtle tattoo. Yeah, I love it. I love I it. See, I love whales. That's my next one. Is going to be as a whale tattoo. I love but, it. Yeah. <laughs> I love sea creatures. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, how was your week? 
It was, it was fine. You know, like Elian said, my daughter and her had spring break at the same time. So um, it was also my daughter's eighth birthday. Happy birthday, Dina. Yeah. So that's what we Happy did for birthday. the week. We did her, we did her birthday, you know, her family birthday party, just us and her on Wednesday on her actual birthday. And then she had um, a couple of her friends over yesterday Aww. to make it more of, you know, her thing with her friends yeah. or whatnot, but that's she, a mermaid cake. I know, yeah, mermaid. that's actually, it's cupcakes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's cupcake. It was all cupcakes with frosting on the top in the shape of the mermaid tail. But but she so also cool. she also had an ear infection and then got a cold Aww. run after the ear infection. So she just finished her antibiotics yesterday, and that was pretty much what took up most of my week this week. <laughs> oh, so. Did she have the ear infection on her birthday? Yeah, the day. Well, Aww. actually, the day before. The day before she woke up and she was like, "Mommy, my ear hurts." Aww. And so, like, I gave her some Tylenol and, like, it wasn't helping or anything. And so we called the, we called her pediatrician, like, first thing in the morning, we were getting ready for work. And they said that they could get her in in, like, a half an hour. So we had to, like, hurry up and rush so we could get her there. And she had an infection in her left ear. And it was the same one. It was the same ear when she was a baby um, that she'd had an ear infection. And she didn't indicate to us that she was in pain when she was a baby, like she didn't pull her ear. She didn't yeah. cry, yeah. nothing. She just all of a sudden had a like really high fever and was shivering. So we took her in and her eardrum had ruptured. Oh my goodness. From the infection. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And like the medication made her throw up. Yeah. So we had to take her into the doctor and they had to give her injections of the antibiotic in both of her legs at the same time. Oh, and so it was the same ear as all of that happened. And so, but at least this time she's old enough. She was like, mommy, my ear hurts. And so we took her in and got her on the antibiotics. And she's okay now. So. I'm glad she's okay. Oh, yeah. That's Being sick on your birthday though, that sucks so yeah, hard. Yeah, it does suck. It does. Yeah. Good birthday, so. Shante. How was yours? It was calm. I had a lot started, of birthdays. I started a new contract position two days before my birthday at the New York City Public Library. Oh, congratulations. Nice. Assisting the vice president of branch programs and services is education, pretty much. Ooh. So I assist her because I worked in programs before because I'm a nonprofiter by day. And then you know, two days later was my birthday. I didn't expect no one to celebrate anything because the lady that I was assisting is retiring. Well, the lady that I'm replacing is retiring. And I just wanted to celebrate with my family because the year before I did something big at my sister's house, you know, was bags and drinks. And the ro that's where the rosé champagne came from, from the dr first drink of the week. That's where that came from. Nice. Uh -huh. and so that was at 35. 36 was calm. I celebrated. My mom made some red rice, cabbage, and um, fish, fried fish. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the day after, I had some other stuff to do, but it was focusing because I still got this damn project. That's what happens when you're in school around the time of your birthday. How mm -hmm. it sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yesterday, mm -hmm. I went up to White Plains to Yonkers, but I went further up to White Plains. I went to the Westchester Mall, and my sister took me to get my coach bag because I got a coach. Hey. Okay. Get a new bag. That's what's up. Yes. Yeah, so I need a new bag. So I had a, it was a calm birthday. I got a big bottle of wine from my mom on Thursday. So I will be 
having some of that after this. <laughs> it's helping me to like my cramps, which is good because yeah, I got cramps two days after my birthday, y'all. Oh. After oh. years of dodging the first time in three years, dodging my period and then again. Damn it. <laughs> oh. That's so okay. we're in the same boat, Lillian. I mean, Ilian. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I got my period over vacation. I was like, what the hell is this? Curls. It's just cruel. That is. That's like, that's the universe just fucking with you. Fuck you, Eve. For real. <laughs> not, not really. Fuck you, Eve. <laughs> so we're about to get into our shot and chaser for those who are just recently joining. I don't know why you're joining on episode eight, but if you're just recently <laughs> But welcome if you are. We're happy you're here. <laughs> As my co-host has said, my fellow, welcome to Shot and Chaser, where we give our topics straight of the week. And first we have on our list is Miss Lauren Ashley. So what is your shot and chaser? Okay, so also for any new listeners, I like to stick with the arts and something interesting happened while I was scrolling. I think, I think Twitter or IG, I honestly can't remember, but I was scrolling something social media and then I saw like one of those BuzzFeed things that was, and they were like, here's a bunch of songs that turned 20 this year. And I was like, well, goddamn. I hate those. <laughs> now I feel old. So to make the rest of you feel old. <laughs> My shot is a list of like a list of like of films and um pop culture related culture related things that turned 20 this year. So I'm not the only one who has to sit and go, oh God. So the very first Spider-Man movie okay. came out. The first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Yes, it is 20 years old this year. No. Yes, it is. Star Wars episode two, Attack of the Clones, uh-uh. 20 years hey. old this year. <laughs> Hold up, Halle Berry won her Oscar 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. For all the millennials out there, y'all, Kim Possible debuted on the Disney Channel 20 fucking years ago. 20, 20. Grand Theft Auto Vice City on the PS2, 20 years ago. And I want to stop with this because it's just funny. <laughs> the last thing that I have from my list is, I don't know who else was into VH1 in their younger years watching I Love the 80s. Well, that debuted, I Love the 80s debuted 20 years ago. Oh my God. And that is my oh. <laughs> Thank you, Laura Nashley, for this week's making me feel old moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drink hey. a little bit more. Oh, yeah. over, over 35, because we're projecting, because you'll be 35 and yeah, you will. So <laughs> she's a baby on the show. You feel old. Like A. Marie's album is going to be 20 years old this year. Wow. Why don't we fall in love? You got the blueprint too, 20 years old. You got Nas's I Can and Made You Look, 20 years old. Like, yeah, you got uh, that one. That one is like less of a shock for me because we sang was I remember I was like a kid in school and we were like, I know I can, but then like also like I was that was 20 years ago. So I'm like, I'm like, I know that happened when I was a teenager, but also I was a teenager 20 years. He performed ago. it too. Made you look on the Grammy stage. I was like, I love Nas. And Nas was good for almost being 50. So yes, 
Lauren Ashley, <laughs> that was Lauren Ashley, you stay coming with a good shot and chasers with <laughs> yes. fall into my lap, honestly. <laughs> this just made me realize this is my 20-year anniversary for high school graduation. Ooh. I just <laughs> hey, going yeah. to it, but, but now it just made me realize. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you y'all are making me feel really old with that. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> you are not old. Listen, your vagina's not old. Your face is oh. old. <laughs> You're not old. <laughs> We we are at the age where our making me choke, making me choke. We are at the age where our favorite songs growing up are now Muzak for the elevators. Okay, history history books. You're gonna open up a music of history of music, and bet your music's gonna be there soon. I don't even know how long ago. What's it? 2022 now? How long? I don't even know when my anniversary. I know. Let let me do the math here. I know. Me too. I'm like, I have to do the math. I think you were 27 years since I graduated. Yeah. I graduated high school 23 years ago. It's 18 for me. 18. So yeah. And Usher's album just made 18. Some of his albums made 25 years. So the nice and slow is 25 years nice old. Is, yeah, nice and slow. Sheesh. Oh. <laughs> um, well, thank you for bringing us these, this attention to our own mortality. I mean, <laughs> listen, two of our co-hosts just had birthdays. Mine is coming up next week. Like, we're already thinking about it. I don't want to sound nasty, but at least it's still tight. Like, we still have tight vaginas. Like, we still have tight. It doesn't smell. Sarah, don't think about menopause right now. You're 45. I have no idea how you know so much about everybody else's vaginas. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to mute myself again because I'm a joke. <laughs> I know. I'm over here like, you know, you're right though. I mean, girl, woman is not telling lies, okay? Just saying. So, thank you for always your on point shot and chaser. And I'm sorry, guys. If, like I said, if this podcast is not for your ears, if you don't like what well, is in this part, content. Content. <laughs> content is not for you, then don't listen, okay? <laughs> That was Shante telling you, change changer for y'all. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, part of our title is unapologetically, so there it is. Unapologetically oh. female. <laughs> and speaking, Miss Katie, another Torian, what is your shot and chaser? Well, I'm going a whole different direction. Um, as for new listeners, I'm a bit of a sports fan, and this last week, the amazing. Duke and Duchess of Sussex put on the Invictus games and absolutely fantastic. one, their entrance and those little tiny Land Rovers with the kids driving, looking joyful as opposed to some of their counterparts in the, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> but a little background on it. So um, Harry started this back in about 2013. He got this idea. He was in the U.S. watching the Warrior Games, which is a very similar uh, program for Wounded Warriors uh, the U.S., and he decided to build on that and make it international. So basically, it's almost like Olympics for uh, veterans that have been wounded or been in, have served and um, 
on a for servicemen and women to have a chance to compete and it's been going on like they've had obviously they've had deposit for the last two years so this was the first time they got back together and they were in uh the hague netherlands this time and they rotate throughout throughout the uh every year through new spots and that sounds it, i've watched a few of the videos um you know the, the rugby wheelchair rugby is insane i love it <laughs> like i've loved always loved regular rugby but watching them in wheelchair you're like they're just as rough and tumble with each other on that and it's um i think they had over about 500 competitors from about 20 countries this year which is incredible and it's just just watching how much joy they bring to all this like you know especially they, they had you, there was a uh, delegation from Ukraine that was able to be there. So of course that was well received and um, Harry and Megan were everywhere, just making sure everybody was enjoying themselves and just being their amazing selves. So I was, I was happy to watch that <laughs> and watch them be happy and show the world, fuck you, <laughs> we're better than you. <laughs> 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 missing out on. Mm. We love the queen. No, I, I keep calling the queen. queen. Oh, oh well, you know, queen. look at that Freudian slip right there. <laughs> yeah. We love the Duchess and the Prince of Sussex. Sussex Squad. Sorry, yes. I couldn't hold it in. Listen, they follow me. The Sussex Squad follows me. They like, yeah, girl, speak that truth. And I'm calling her the queen like she about to be the queen. So see, God have, may have a, a, a thing for her. You know, I love that they snuck in. Mm-hmm. To see, just to see her. Nobody yeah. else, and then left and went on to the Netherlands. <laughs> and can we talk about the absolute perfection that was the white suit? Oh my god! Oh thing. my god! Oh, she nailed. Catherine could never. Never. So never. <laughs> could never. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. No, I'm already drunk. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> I have a bottle of wine before we even record it. I'll be honest. Oh my god! <laughs> it's over Sunday. Sunday brunch. I have to make up. I have to make up. I'm behind. Catching up. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. If there's nothing else, thank you so much, Miss Katie. For always bringing a substantive, warm side of things when <laughs> I be ready to fight. Well, <laughs> and I be ready to fight somewhat, Sarah. Sarah's more of a lover. So <laughs> you are. You are. So next up is, well, it's Sarah. <laughs> All right. Well, on the whole lover note, I'm going to be, I am going to do some, I'm going to talk about something that's actually very positive instead of, you know, political and me being all riled up. So I was doing, I was looking through some studies and I found one where they did a study and found that as the COVID pandemic got worse, Americans donated more generously than before. So I'll just, I'll read like some excerpts from the article that I found it in and the actual study is in um, is at nature.com and we can post the link in the notes or whatever but um, some of the excerpts were um, individuals in the USA showed greater financial generosity when under threat from COVID-19. 
the world's largest tracker of financial charity from the years leading up to and then proceeding into the pandemic while also conducting controlled experimental games. Game, yeah, experimental games found that the pandemic made Americans more generous with their capital. The data set found that 78% of US counties with a COVID-19 threat increased the total amount donated in March 2020 compared to March 2019. The char charitable amounts increased the most when the degree of danger from the virus was highest. 32.9% under high threat versus 28.5% under medium threat compared to no threat. Uh, and they said that e perhaps even more encouraging amounts given had nothing statistically to do with age or political affiliation of those involved, which, you know, that's a bright spot considering how Absolutely. partisan everything is. Um, the most thoughtful societies index um, is, was one of those, it's one of those study groups or whatever, but the findings are also consistent with that of the Most Thoughtful Societies Index, finding that the USA ranked highest in the world for compassion in society and internationally bound private charitable contributions. And one of the quotes from the study says, prior work suggests that when people experience such financial scarcity, they may engage in extreme, even immoral behaviors to acquire financial wealth. Yet analyses of both our data sets clearly shows that in this particular circumstance, individuals were on average more willing to part with their financial resources. Amidst the uncertainty, fear, and tra tragedy of the pandemic, we find a silver lining. People became more financially generous toward others. Wow. We, we have a little bit of hope for our country. Then. Oh that's my gosh, that's a little bit. A little bit. Kind of, that's, yeah. that's honestly, that's very refreshing to hear. Yeah. Especially after like watching some very public, horrible behavior over the course of this pandemic. Right, you know, and it's like, and I mean, the whole part where the study showed that there was no age or political affiliation, like, that made no, it made no difference in anything. And it just, that was actually shocking to me because we see all these people with the anti-maskers, the anti-vaxxers and yeah. just being so loud and wrong, Yeah, you know? So it was that part really surprised me. Yeah. I actually did something in the very beginning of the pandemic that really shocked me at the response was, my ex used to work for an assisted living facility. And of course they were one of the hardest hits and couldn't go anywhere. So we had, she wanted to do cards for everybody. You know, I put it on Facebook, Twitter. I think even some of you sent some that, and I think we got over 175 cards from around the country. Wow. That's from doing that. It was just so heartwarming. So, you know, we just got, she just kept sending me pictures of it. And it was really cool. As person who worked in development, I could say when I did the contract, like towards the end of 2020, there was a lot of people that was donated to every town. There was some people that was canceling their donation, or their recurring donation, or donating through their IRA. Yeah. More um, with that, and also donating to the hospitals because my brother-in-law works for Montefiore Hospital, so like they were donating. So yeah, that's very interesting, Sarah. But not surprising that people donated during the pandemic. Yeah. Heartwarming. <laughs> I mean, I mean we good. saw it online even. Like we saw people having donations and stuff on Twitter for people that needed help because they didn't have work during the pandemic. So throughout the whole thing, yeah. 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 I'm I'm just more shocked that the it didn't matter uh, between the age political and political persuasion. Yeah. That's really refreshing. And honestly, that, that makes me feel pretty hopeful. 
Yeah. Sarah, you restored our faith in humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my shot in chases before Eliane. (laughs) So (laughs) it's always me, right? Ready to fight. So bring it. Here we go. You know, I don't really engage with her, but because she's like a non-factor in my mind, like many other people, the non-factors I had to get at because they just been loud and wrong and people were cheering them on. So Miss Leslie Mack wants to, you know, be loud and wrong and talk about <laughs> the Biden and Harris administration. So where do I begin? Miss Shantae? Yes. So she decided to, I guess, pick a fight that she can't choose. So this is what her initial tweet was. He literally, literally capital, has not delivered on any single capital promise made on the campaign trail to young black, young voters, especially young black voters. And he is pushing, guess what? Crime bill 2022 while doing nothing about student loans RN. So yeah, they ain't feeling him for good reason. So I had to you know, school her a little bit on it. I said, I guess Leslie haven't been paying attention with to what this administration has done within the last 15 months. And then since she clearly doesn't understand, I put the graphic on what the Biden, Biden and Harris administration has done so far. And then the president just canceled 17, I meant to say built, I, I put trillion by accident, but it is $17 billion in student loan debt without the elected officials legislating on Twitter, you know who that means, um, pressuring him. And there's an article from CNN. And yes, this administration can do more and has work to get done, which is true. They've only been there for like 15 months. However, it is up to the legislative branch to do their damn job in Capitol. That's why progressives like Leslie need to, I quoted my good friend, read some damn books, as a great historian says. Shout out to Dr. C. (laughs) (laughs) Read some damn books. I'm sick of these influencers. Because that's what she, yeah. Like, I kind of forgot who she was when she popped her damn mouth out again. Exactly, Katie. Like, I'm just like, I don't know who she was. I didn't look back up and I was like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, you got this damn check. I just wrote that on Twitter. They get these little blue official checks, like, they're officially whatever they and get, it's something yeah. she got so, so fucking passive aggressive about it yeah. she's talking about oh my god like people are stealing my joy or whatever shit she said i don't remember what she said I mean, she, if she's got to know that she's spewing this stuff that's easily that's easily proven wrong and here's the, the thing the thing for me words have meaning why would you say literally why would you say literally why would you say literally five minutes okay let me let me because maybe she doesn't get this. Leslie, why would you literally use the word literally when figuratively five minutes ago, the president of the United States appointed a black woman to the Supreme Court, which was literally his biggest campaign promise. Mm-hmm. Do you understand, Boo Boo, the difference between these words meanings? <laughs> I guess I'll be different <laughs> from now on since I can drink again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Lauren, Ashley, you're right. And I'm going to use Katie. Katie just, 
she no one knows her right she just huh. came out of blue sky who are you bitch i'm just gonna try to explain it but i was who like are who are you, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> i i didn't know who she was said, either until that started trending as evelyn lazardo said you a non-motherfucking non-motherfucking factor bitch that's what she said yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes, she did. That is what Evelyn said. Shout out to uh love and basketball. I mean, sorry, basketball wives. See, look at me. <laughs> basketball. That's a good movie. I blame it on oh, the yeah. alcohol. <laughs> They're all literally the same show to me. So I was just like, sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you never seen Love and Basketball, the movie? From like the, that movie is dope as fuck. Oh, no, so I know good. basketball wives. Wait, no, basketball wives. Hold, I'm, on, hold, on, hold basketball on, hold on, hold on. Wives in love and basketball. You guys, I'm very drunk. I'm very drunk. Yes, you are. I know the movie Love and Basketball. Okay, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, I that's, thought yeah. there was also basketball wives. One of those trashy reality shows called Love yes. and Basketball. Yeah. Yes, you yes. are correct. <laughs> okay, I like. I know I'm drunk, but am I that? No, you're not. I think <laughs> I might be getting there. Leslie, I'm gonna part this message. Leslie, if you don't know something, if you don't know anything about government or civics, I gave you a civics lesson on my Twitter, but I'm gonna give you a civics lesson here if you ever pass through this podcast. You need to read some damn books. You need to go back to your history books and understand what checks and balances is. You need to talk to your same favorite legislators, including you know your queen, the former Reagan, Reagan conservative. I'm, I'm getting all mad. The former Reagan conservative to, you know, how to pass some legislation on canceling student loan debt. Oh, oh, can I? You can't. I, yeah. Oh, oh, I have. Damn bill. <laughs> yeah. I, can I read something Secretary Pete put out earlier this week that has to deal with HBCUs, which I love because it came out pretty much damn near the same day that she did. He says, thanks to the POTUS bipartisan infrastructure law. We're generating countless good paying jobs that will be ready for HBCU students upon graduation. And I love this little kicker here. These jobs won't just help pay off student loans. They will also help build generational wealth. So there's this infrastructure law alone is helping a major black community because as oh, yeah. several people said, do y'all not drive on roads? I mean, it's Ooh. like. <laughs> mm, mm. Kenny that might have said that Kenny or can I I have a serious point to add to uh, one last note to Shantae mm -hmm. which is because there's another important suggestion that needs to be made here I'm literally suggesting boo-boo that you literally go mm -hmm. online and literally look up schoolhouse rock conjunction junction what's your function learn some grammar boo-boo Oh my God. Word of the day for our show. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was good. But yes, I'm sorry if we were going in on homegirl just before I give it to Eliane. Like, serious, Messi. Like, I need you to shut the fuck up if you don't know something. Just shut the fuck up. Like, our girl at Lauren Ashley said, go to Schoolhouse Rock, learn conjunction, junction. And what's, what's a bill? An ordinary bill. Or better yet, read what you know Secretary Pete has said. But Alien, what show shot in Chase? <laughs> that was so entertaining. Oh my gosh. So my uh topic this week is really kind of close to home. So I was seeing how the always resplendent and gorgeous Rihanna while uh, you know she went back home to Barbados to kind of get one last vacation in before she gives birth. She's looking amazing. And 
guys, it looks like she's going to have a Taurus baby. And so I wanted to use this opportunity to wish a happy birthday to all the Torian members of the Unapologetically She family. So first on Wednesday, it was Sarah's daughter's uh, birthday, Dina. Happy birthday, Dina. Thursday, it was Shantae's birthday. And then Saturday, it was Katie's birthday. And actually, Lauren Ashley's birthday is still in Taurus season, and that's coming up. So I just wanted to say happy birthday, you guys, and fucking bring on Taurus season, all right? I'm yes! Ready. Taurus season is upon us. Indeed. Upon us. <laughs> yes, happy early birthday, Lauren Ashley. It's next Friday. Woo! Really next hey, Friday. Hey. I would like to let our listeners know, since I've already let my coat, my <laughs> Sister co-host, no. Since my birthday is on Friday, well, okay, so my birthday is May 6th. I always start with Cinco de Mayo because, duh, mm-hmm. at midnight, then it's my birthday. I'm going to be drunk all weekend. <laughs> you will probably not hear my voice next week. I will be extremely hungover. Because <laughs> I'm turning 35. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Mark's 35. Damn. 35 was good. That happened fast. My 30s have been fucking great. 20s were shit. The 30s? 35 was awesome. Looking forward to it. Oh my goodness. All these birthdays. Sarah, we feel left out because we're we're out of this birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Sarah birthday's the beginning of the freaking years at the birthday. I know. <laughs> I know. The day after freaking Valentine's Day. Yeah. I will say my immediate family, everybody, my mom, dad, brother, all born in September. I always felt left out. So it's nice to have some fellow Tauruses hey. in this. Found the right group. Yes. My, my parents are in the summertime. They're, they're, they're both like in the same month, two weeks behind each other, different zodiac signs. I don't know how <laughs> Cancer and, and, and Leo marriage. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm in a Cancer Leo relationship right now. Myron oh my is God. the Cancer. I'm a Leo. Oh. Is well, working. Sign. <laughs> <laughs> so now I get hope from your parents, Shante. There you go. Look at that. 46 Look at years that. of marriage almost. Wow. That's, that's a beautiful. beautiful. That's fucking beautiful. I love that. Ah, guys, this shot and chaser segment this week made me feel all types of good inside. Yay. <laughs> it's nice to not be angry. You <laughs> <laughs> look nice without the lipstick on today. Oh, thank you. I'm like barefaced, barefaced today. <laughs> You're in here. Our traveling lady. Got bare face and deep conditioner in my hair. So there it is. <laughs> Did you hear that, Marsha Blackburn? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. And on that note. Chante's <laughs> <laughs> hiding behind her. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't jump up to go get the shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be it's checking out my hair the week of Lauren Ashley's birthday. So you'll probably see me with like an afro for the next like three or four weeks. Yay. Hey, hey, it is afro season. Tourist season is yeah, afro it. season. Baby. There you go. <laughs> but now we are, you know, ending this segment of Shot and Chaser. And as of now we're about to introduce our interview, which is coming up with Remy. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to say his full name. Um, Jean 
Remy Monet, Monet, excuse me. See, like, I don't like to mess up people's names. Uh, introduce him to our interview. So thank you. Hello, welcome back to Unapologetically She. And this week, we are joined by a special guest. We are interviewing Jean-Rémy Monet, who is the founder and artistic director of the Black Theater Troupe of Upstate New York, formerly Soul Rebel Performance Troupe, which is based in Albany, New York. And since most of us are New Yorkers and actually Katie isn't with us right now, so you're talking to a bunch of New Yorkers. Yeah, New York crew. <laughs> I'm, I'm out in Buffalo, but yeah. Oh, you are, okay. Yeah. So Jean Remy was born in Haiti. He got a start in community theater at the age of nine, performing in French and Creole. He moved to New York City in 1982 and then to upstate New York in 1999, studying English language performance at Schenectady Community College. He worked for New York State from 1988 until he retired in 2018. I did my, I did my homework. Oh my God, this, <laughs> this is scary. You did your job. I like that. I just, got one, I just got one last little bio fact for our listeners. It's like an episode um, of This Is Your Life. <laughs> oh, now I'm really sweating now. <laughs> no, there's no reason. To, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm just having fun. I'm sweating because my last little fact that I found about you was that since 2000, you've appeared in over 200 plays, films, and commercials. And I even found your IMDb page, which he has an IMDb yep. page. I know, I saw that's that. Cool. It's pretty cool. But you know what I'm more impressed with what you're just doing just now? You say my name, Jean, Jean Remy. You did not say Jean or Jin or John, because in Jean Remy, that's the name, and the N is Jean is silent. But you sound as if you were French or Haitian just now. That was perfect. I'm impressed. Hey, the fact that you said that before I get to the first question, my one of my close my closest friend is Haitian, and he was helping me with your name, and he was like, "He's gonna think oh. you're Haitian." He said, you're, "He's gonna think you're Haitian because you're saying it right." <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. so our our first question for you is going to actually come with a quote um, from the Daily Gazette, and it's a quote oh. from you. <laughs> um it's a quote where you said that the power of theater of the arts is to make the world a better place a place where everyone's stories are told which really stood out to me when i read it it made me think of um chimamanda ngozi adichie talks a lot about um she's a nigerian author for those who aren't aware she talks a lot about the the danger of the single story so you talking about everyone's stories needing to be told that was yeah, that was I, I. I love I love that quote. I love that quote. And I shall also I'm also an artist, quote. so I was like, oh, I get him. <laughs> but um, so the first question for you is this thought of art and the arts and theater that its purpose is to make the world a better place. Has this always been how you look at the role of art in society? Is that why you started doing theater um, when you were a young kid in Haiti? And I'll add on to that end of that question. What were your major influences as an artist as you were developing? Uh, I mean, you can take it from any angle. Yes. Um, starting uh, like at a young age, I don't. I can tell you, I don't remember why I started. I just know it was always in me because yeah. as a, 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 
you know, from eight, nine years old, you know, reading poetry. I remember in the small town where I, I grew up and uh, in, and there was like the boy girl, boy school and the girl school, mm-hmm. separate. So, and I was the popular boy in my school. I was a teacher's pet, you know, when the teachers goes out <laughs> and Remy, you in charge, <laughs> you in charge. I was, you know, writing, all, you know, I was uh, reciting all the poetry, always performing. Uh, I don't know where that came from. So I remember- oh, so you and, performed in school. Yes, it was mostly in school doing poetry, reading, and then the principal in the girls' school was pulling me out from the boys' school to go to the girls' school to perform at that age. So it's it's all that, you know, I was doing. And then as I get older, you know, because I was I was reading, you know, uh, I mean, poetry and play, those things kind of connected. And then uh, I started discovering plays in French and start reading them. Uh, it wasn't from somebody or a teacher that was, you know, teaching me those things. Those are things, you know, me and other boys, you know, started to do this. Let's do a little play. I just so I just read this in, uh, in, in this book, you know, kids plays and stuff like that. I probably didn't even know what the play was, but because it was, it's a dialogue, that's two, and then you go on stage, and I was never shy. And then, uh, and uh, so let's do it. So we start, you know, doing little things like this. And next thing you know, and I'm in every school, every, and going to other town, and uh, in in church at every everywhere. There's a tent outside. We're performing, and that's how I started. I did not get into, and then I moved in from the small town. I moved into Port-au-Prince in, in Haiti. You can start school in a small town, and as you get into higher uh, grades, you have to move to a bigger town. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So when I was maybe around 12, I moved to Port-au-Prince to continue my school. So I started doing more in school, in in uh, and uh, yeah, and then uh, and then I started reading more, even doing Shakespeare and all this stuff. And and it's it's really just all me. It started with me. I'm probably the only one who started it in the small town where I came from because, you know, <laughs> really. And then, uh, yeah, and and then I did more and more. And then at 16 years old, uh, I don't know if that's uh, another question that's coming if I'm talking too much. At 16 years old, I moved. Uh, no, not 16. At 16, I was still in Haiti. And then at 18, that's when I moved to uh, to the United States. Uh, I don't want to keep talking in case there's. You oh know, no, no, you're question. fine. You're actually yes. that was a perfect segue into the next question, which right. I think is from Shante. <laughs> That's why I stopped for Shante. Uh, stop for I like your name. Upale Creole too. Oh, I know a little because I, I I've messed with a few Haitian men here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my name means the enchanted in French. So there you have it. Just spelled differently. I love it. Pronounce it as Chantaine. I'm just like, get it together. Like, please. All right. <laughs> so you say you lived in New York City, which I am from the downstate. I am from New York City. So the place like some upstate folks, not all on here, like to criticize it. But I'm a Western New Yorker. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but you don't criticize. That's different. Words. That's some serious mm-hmm. stuff. 
what made you decide to move to the United States at the age of 18? You know, I thought I saw that question, which is why I stopped right where I said, when I can't, <laughs> uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want Lauren to steal your question, Shante, so I stopped there. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're flowing so that's that's good like you're, you're getting questions and you know and you're, you're authentic with it and with all the amazing work you do so what made you come to this beautiful country uh always before i jump to this to finish part of the uh what i was saying earlier when i moved to port au prince i started doing more plays and and I had other people reaching out to me, more people, you know, in politics, people who standing for, you know, against, you know, uh, the dictatorship government, uh, against the Duvalier during that time. And, and, then, and then they know I'm a performer and I had local theater reaching out. Hey, I'm doing this play. You know, you have to be brave. It's, it's, it's a play against the Duvalier. It's a play against the injustice of the, you know, you know what they're doing to the people. I was always brave and I always like to take my chance. So I said, sure, I'll do it. So I started doing more plays, you know, uh, in, in anything to, to fight injustice and, and, and social injustice and everything like that. And then, and I was doing a lot of that. And then I moved in uh, to get back to Chante. And then at 18, my mother was, was living in the United States since in, uh, the early seventies. And when she left, I was eight, nine years old. She left Haiti and she came to New York. Uh, and so she's been there uh, until I didn't see my mother. You know, I probably saw my mother once from, from, from the age of nine to 18 uh, until I was 18. So, uh, you know, she was here, of course, you know, working to take care of us down there, you know, working in factory and sending money for school and, and all this stuff. So first time I saw my mother uh, in a long time was May 18, 1982, when I moved to New York. She came in and picked me up at the JFK airport. And uh, I remember, uh, I never called my mother. None of her kids call her mother. We all call her sister. Now, the story behind that, as a kid, all her brothers and sisters call each other sister, brother. So but because we grow up listening to that, all her kids calling her sister also. So, so my mother's name is Yvette. So we call it, you know, we all calling her sister Yvette, sister Yvette. So even when she's in this country, we're down there, the only time we call her mother, that's when we we're writing to her because there was no, uh, um, uh, it, uh, uh, so there was no email and stuff like that. Uh, when she picked us up at the airport, JFK airport, and uh, first thing she said, uh, first thing she said to us, the sister thing, stay right here at the airport. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> okay. now, I didn't even know how to call a mother. Now, I never call a mother. So I, have to, I have to start calling somebody mother. I said, what? <laughs> Your mother's good because I could not call my mother's sister. My mom is from Dallas, so it's it's mom or mom yeah. or mommy. Yeah, I mean, uh, mama, and that's what we call her, mama. Uh, you know, so um, yeah, she said the sister thing stay right here from now on. It's 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 it's, it's in the mama, mama, or mother, mom, all that stuff. So, uh, yes. So my mother was the reason why I came here to 
New York and uh, left Haiti in May 18, which is coming up, May 18, 1992, which is also a big holiday in Haiti. It's a it's flag day. It's a big celebration, you know, mm -hmm. uh, flag day in Haiti. And a lot of the Haitian thought I was a, a trader leaving the country on, on a special day like that. So, no, they didn't think that. I'm saying as a joke. You know? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, oh, my oh God, God, no, no, no. I just... <laughs> <laughs> so yes. yeah. when you when you came to the US um you were part of a, a traveling theater troupe that performed in French and Creole I reading about that was really interesting to me um the friend that I mentioned before when he came to the US he didn't speak any English at all so he had to learn English right. as a kid here and reading about your story and that you started performing with this troupe in French and Creole, traveling to Montreal. For those who aren't aware, Montreal has a huge Haitian community. And um, then you, you shifted to performing in English. So I was really interested in how, how that shift affected your craft, I guess, as an artist, as a performer, because you're not just dealing with a language barrier coming to a new country, but does going between these three, I got three different languages. Um, does that affect your work or, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when, of course, just like your friend, when I came here, even though English was always my favorite subject, like in school, you take French, just like you take uh, math or science, you take French. In Haiti, I was taking English, you know, part of, you know, course that I took. And, uh, but English was always my favorite subject, but that's in Haiti. When I came here, I didn't speak English. Okay. And, uh, and I'm an actor, I'm a, you know, and, and I'm here in this country and then I don't speak the language, which was devastating for me, which was really bad. I thought my whole dream was gone. So, you know, I don't speak the language. I can't perform in there. So I've, um, after a couple of years, and I, uh, a friend of mine, which I'll be doing, be doing a play in, in, in Creole, asked me if I was interested. And then that was my first play in this country, I think around 1984, uh, 85. And that was with this Haitian, you know, playwright. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then through him, I joined this, this, this troupe and we started performing in a Haitian community. And we go to anywhere, you know, we go perform wherever there is people who speak the language, okay, whether it's French or Creole. So that's why we're going to Montreal. We go to Florida, like Little Haiti area. We go to, you know, perform in New York and, you know, you know with wherever there's a big Haitian community. And sorry, Shante, we didn't know there was Haitian in Buffalo. So we, no, 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 who's from Buffalo? Lorraine's from Buffalo. No, right? I'm Buffalo. She's that's New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll jump so, down. <laughs> so, so I couldn't. So yeah. So uh, and uh, so the performance, and then I from 1982 um, into 1980, 1988, I started working for the state, uh, and uh, and I got a job for the state, and uh, and then in '88. Still, I wasn't doing theater uh, because 
I was still doing, you know, with the with the Haitian troupe. But as I get closer, the, the, that was dying. But I really wanted to perform, you know, in English. So that wasn't happening yet because because of the language. Uh, so Can I kind I of ask, does the troupe yes. not exist anymore? Oh, I I have no idea. That was in the eighties. Uh, ah. Right. Yeah. That was in the 80s, mid 80s. So I don't know. That was a temporary <laughs> thing because I needed to get busy, you know, yeah. you know with, my, with my art. Uh, the guy who, who got me into it, yeah, we're still friends. Uh, but, uh, uh, and I know the trip now, you know, we used to travel back to Haiti too because we were doing plays. We were doing plays that uh, we traveled once in Haiti with the trip because it was very political against mm -hmm. the Duvalier's regime. Okay, and then uh, and during that time, I had to, you know, you know, kind of in hiding to get back to the United States because, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're like raising your voice against a government that was very brutal, you know, there's no freedom of speech. So I get back, I was brave, you know, to do that. And I came back here and then uh, I took a break in uh, working for the state from 1988. In 1997, I decided I needed to focus on my life so I can, you know, New York City was too much for me and uh, uh, between work and wanted to do theater. And uh, uh, so I decided in 97 to get a transfer with the state and I moved up here in 1997. Uh, now, I know you said 1999 before, but 1999, that's when I went back. Uh, back to, to school. Back to school for theater because, right. because I needed to, I needed to start uh, perform in English. Okay, you know, even though I have all the experience, but I needed to, you know, I went back to school so I can be more comfortable with the English language. And then uh, in, in 1999, and then, uh, and then um, I started, I don't know where to stop if you guys have more questions, if I'm saying Oh, you're much. okay, <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll tack on like one last part of that question, okay. which is, um, so traveling with the theater troupe, how did that affect your, I guess, maybe your performance style or just the way that you thought about theater, the well, part about going back to Haiti to perform and it being dangerous? That's, yeah. I mean, that's all really of, interesting. Yeah, I mean, all that, because that was my original way of doing things, being with the Haitian mm -hmm. troupe, being in Haiti. So uh, now performing in English, that's what's different. That's what's changed my style, my performance, how I do things. Not, uh. not the original way, you know, performing in English and French, whether it's a regular play, whether it's political, that's what I do, you know, and uh, there was no problem there. But to switch to English, to switch performing and, and trying to do plays with regular, you know, English speaking actors, that's different because I had to work ten times harder, you know, uh, and uh, than you know the other actors who speak the language, you know, mm -hmm. because not only when I pick the script, I have to read it, I have to, you know, think in French and Creole, you know, I have to be in my dictionary, you know, all the time. So, you know, and uh, so that was that was. Uh, the hard part, you know, yeah. and that's what changed my style. That's what changed, you know, the way I do things, you know, from uh, starting performing in English. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Eliane.
How are you? Hi, <laughs> um, I think this is a great um, question to follow up on what Lauren Ashley was just asking, but out of all the experiences, the theatrical experiences that you've had, which was the most consequential or significant to you? Well, I would say the very first time, my first play in English, while I was still going at Schenectady Community College for theater, my very first play, Hubbard Hall Theater in Cambridge, in Washington County in New York, they cast me in my first play, John of Arc, called St. John. Okay, and uh, that was my first play. Uh, uh, and then I, and then I, it was a big part. And then I had to perform in English. And this was always, I mean, that's something I will never, you know, forget. You know what I'm saying? Because there was the, you know, the experience, the, you know, uh, you know, everything that an actor has to go through, but, you know, mine was 10 times more difficult, harder, but also, you know, because people were telling me I will never get caught unless I speak the language perfectly or unless I change my accent, then that's when I said, I'm going to show you. Now, because <laughs> that's what I want to do, mm -hmm. I'm going to prove to you, but I'm not going to try to prove anything to anybody if you know if that's not something I want to do but if it's something I want to do you tell me you can't do it I mean I'm not going to let no stupid language stop me from doing it <laughs> okay so uh, yeah, that yeah, uh, <laughs> yes so this uh, was the you know most uh, meaningful uh, because that's huge more than anything else that's what get me started you know, at hope, you know, to, you know, to everything that I'm doing now, you know, uh, stage, directing, producing, acting, and, and I've been doing a lot of films, and I don't know if you guys, you know, and I play a pastor in Netflix, Grand Army, they had nine episodes, and that was the most recent one that I've done. If you watch Grand Army in Netflix, it's a nine episode, I was on the fourth episode, I play a pastor there. Uh, Making a note uh, of that. <laughs> yeah. G-R-A-N-D, Grand Army, A-R-M-Y. So I play pastor there. And I have uh I have a couple more coming out. And uh, but starting at Hubbard Hall in 1999, 2000, and my first play in English, and that was the uh really most meaningful to me. Uh if that's answer your question, Ilian. Oh, yes, it does. And, you know, I, I'm not a native English speaker either. And so I know how difficult it is to switch to a new language. But then to add on top of that, remember right. lines and performing in front of people, that's on another yeah. level. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. All right. So <clears throat> I wanted to ask, um, the Capital Region obviously has a different theater experience than that of New York City or London's West End, um, you know, any of the large theater hubs in, over the world. But it is a burgeoning theater scene. And I kind of wanted just, I wanted to know what you feel sets the Capital Region theater scene apart from these larger well-known theater hubs. <laughs> uh, I think that should be easy because I've 
have never performed on Broadway. I have never performed in any other big stage outside of the capital region when I first started. So this is where I started. This is my home. This and then it's getting better and better, especially, especially since now it's more diverse. Especially since I started the theater company back in 2009 as Rebel, and now it's more diverse to me. So and and that's where I started. That's my home here. And uh, so I can't really compare. I can't really, you know, with, with, you know, I just know that, you know, it's very, the art is big, is big and it's getting bigger. I just definitely cannot compare it to New York or other big stage outside. And, uh, you know, but it's, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I, I just can't compare it because, uh, this is my home and it's, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's my home and that's what get me to be in the bigger, you know, uh, other uh, stages in movies. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I can compare that this capital region, the art of the theater or peer. I'm, I'm just not sure how to answer that uh, the way you'd like. Because I don't. And know, I just. Been, I want you to answer it honestly, just like yeah, you are. I've never, it's perfect. Yeah, I've never. I've never been on Broadway. You know. I just know that. I just know that. Uh, you know, right now with my theater company, I can bring. You know, uh, with cap prep. You know, if I, I can, if I decide to bring in New York City equity actors from New York City to be on my stage, I am at the point now where I can bring them here. Okay, you know, just get an equity contract and then I can work with any equity actors. Okay, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so which is, you know, which is big for me. Okay, and, uh, and uh, um, you know, before I would be, uh, before I would be, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, maybe if I start thinking in French and Creole, it would come to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Before I would be nervous working with the professional equity actors because they're from New York City, you know, and now I don't feel that way anymore because I am as experienced and 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 as they are, you know, you know, to bring them to Albany, or I have actors from who has worked, who have worked with the Black Theater Tube now who's who's on Broadway, who's doing equity work, who's performing at Caprep. So it's it's like we're feeding each other, one just bigger than others. That's, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for our regular listeners, that's it <laughs> with our in for our interview with Jean Remy. However, if you are subscribed to our Patreon, there's more coming up next. <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was just absolutely fabulous. Thank you for uh, Remy for joining us this week. Now I have the distinct pleasure of introducing this week's bitch-ass and badass of the week. This is where we pick the worst of the worst and the best of the best and let you guys pick which one fits this description. And we had some good ones this week. First off, um, our bitch-ass was Netflix for adding commercials. Dumbasses. Those We're just trying to lose subscriptions at this point. Um, Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell, or whatever pronounce her name, uh, for striking down the mask mandate on airlines and public transportation. Dumbass. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Mickey Fried for 
apparently deciding to sue the Biden administration for who knows what, but something over pot. She done. She's really just trying to lose her election. And then finally, which we've already mentioned her, but Leslie Matt for lying on the Biden administration. And apparently this was an easy choice for our viewers this week because with an overwhelmingly 49%, Leslie Mack, you bitch, you deserved that, literally. <laughs> conjunction, junction, bitch! Conjunction. Beautiful! Beautiful! Like, why the fuck would you tweet that dumb shit and then this be the like, dumbest oh. shit? And the K yeah, is she... coming after me. No, you stupid bitch. Everybody, you lying ass bitch. <laughs> and people tried to peacefully, peacefully, like calmly correct her. Who was like, it rain, 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 rain of April? Was it April? Rain yeah. of April. She came April, in. She was yeah. like very calmly, very yeah. respect, very respectfully. Like, hey, can we talk this through? And then yeah. Bra gonna respond, no, no, and then blocked her mm-hmm. and went off. On and then, part. and then told her followers that april was sticking people on her bitch what you're lying you're you're lying (laughs) on the biden administration nobody's sticking people on you except for yourself yeah like (sighs) yeah exactly all right first of all i don't know what the fuck she ever does anyway i didn't know who she was (laughs) he's a non-motherfucking factor bitch yeah. Oh my gosh. Indeed. And now for more positive, we got our badass, which we have some amazing ones this week. Uh, first off, Michigan State Senator Mallory McMurrow, however you pronounce it, for her fiery speech on the Senate floor this week. Holy crap. Wait, women, go watch that speech because that is how you be an ally. That was God damn, that was amazing. Absolutely incredible. And fucking fire. It was. She got retweeted by Hillary. The president called her this week. She, and as she said, she's the best learning all this celebrity. I just needed to say what I needed to say. Um, Megan Harry for their awesome work at the Invictus Games. And that bomb ass suit. Yep. Thank you, Megan. That's it alone, man. Sussex squad. Uh, <laughs> Zach Tahan for identifying the Brooklyn subway shooter. Awesome job for him. Like, way to go. Because apparently, now, now I'm going to leave that comment alone. <laughs> <laughs> And then Chef Hazel Andres, my personal hero, um, for going into Maripol to feed Ukrainians, which, you know, very dangerous spot to be right now during this war. And when I mean, they've already had a couple of their kitchens being bombed directly. So props for them for just continuing doing it. And this one apparently was also an easy choice for our uh, listeners this week because with 48%, Senator Mallory Macarill got the vote this week it's much deserved because that was she's gonna have a future like she's that video i was just like okay this is what it means to not just like put hashtag blm mm-hmm. or hashtag um ally in your mm-hmm. bio on social media or pictures of rainbow flags and blue waves as if that's actually going to do something to help those of us who are marginalized. Like mm-hmm. if y'all have not watched that video, you have to, Oh my God. She's amazing. She's amazing. The thing that I loved about it most was, I mean, she, the whole entire speech was just fucking on point. But the thing that I really loved most was be- that she kept pointing out because you know, you've got all this right wing Christians quote, you know, and she made it a point to say, I am a white 
Christian suburban mom. Mm -hmm. She said that multiple times, you know, and it's like with those words, she was calling out all the other white Christian suburban moms. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was, I love that she's showing them what a Christian is actually supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Not their hate filled asses. Listen, Jesus was not the best dressed person. Jesus stank. Jesus had on dirty galactic shoes. Jesus had on the Jesus hanging out with whores. Ah! And no, Jesus was not white. Jesus oh. was black. Oh no, he was not. That is factually impossible. Man was dirty. Jesus was dirty, but he hung out with Mary Magdalene and hung out with all of them. But you know what? Some, some theories say that he married Mary Magdalene. Yeah, because got a very good, interesting book. Coach. She was she was a hoe. But you know what? Book. Jesus did not look down on anybody. No, so he did not. Evangelicals. And some of these Christians, and keep in mind, I am a Baptist person. Same. But I don't look down on people because I'm like, what would Jesus would do? And what would my mom do as a Christian? So we don't look down on people. My grandmother, Southern Baptist Christian lady, fed a lot of people, including one of the gay guys that used to give her some wigs and gave her some nice wigs. (laughs) But the whole thing is these you know, evangelicals and everybody and using their Christianity to promote law. It's an ab- it's a abomination. That's it's a, a bastardization abomination. of Christianity. Yes, like yes. y'all white evangelicals are worshiping white supremacy, period. The end. Like that's your religion. Oh, you don't no. worship the same Jesus, because I know that you would have a few slurs for him. Ooh. They would be arresting G- the if today they would be arresting Jesus if he tried to cross the border. Uh, oh, please. Or- Immediately. Immediately, so they they call him a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Some hymns don't mean shit when they sing them hymns. When I sing those hymns, they'll be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, I don't want to hear you saying that. Nope. Yep. <laughs> you just sounded like, like the, we, well, my, I'm also Baptist, like the mothers of the church, the old ladies, and they come, and all the voices, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what I heard just now. <laughs> She took you back. She took you back. You did. You did. <laughs> Which is something because I definitely miss church on Easter and my family will not let me forget it. Listen, my church was not even open on Easter. And I'm so used to wearing like my dresses and my shoes and everything. I, I had a picture. I think I posted, I don't know, Sarah sort when I had like my pink dress on. Uh-huh. With my barrettes, my struggle. Oh, <laughs> Post it on our socials. And Easter was the day before my birthday, which was crazy. Oh, I cut it on my birthday. Oh, I get wow. sanctified and then turn up. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> that's, that's, that is so funny because the year that my daughter was born, it was Easter Sunday that she was born. <laughs> oh, what? No, see, that's trippy. Wow. Speaking of Easter, uh, shout out to our Ukrainian followers, listeners. Happy Easter to you, because I know today is still uh, yes. oh, happy, happy Easter. Easter. Yes. And happy birthday season to all the Yay. Orthodox. I think, I, think it's ca- I think it's called Orthodox Easter. It is. Orthodox Easter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for sitting in with us for another episode of Unapologetically She. Make sure you follow us at all the social media platforms at the T-H-E-E, Joyful She. Be sure to leave us a review where you're listening to your podcast. Till next time. So thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Unapologetically She. I'm Eliane. I'm Shantae. 
I'm Sarah. I'm Lauren Ashley. I'm Katie. Make sure to stay tuned for next week when we will be discussing our next Shot and Chaser, Misinformation War Room, our read receipts, and our bitch ass and badass of the week. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the T-H-E-E Joyful She. Again, at the T-H-E-E Joyful She. We'll see you online.